you're listening to the What's That Mean post-message podcast, following Brad Franklin's message on the weekend of July 22nd and 23rd, entitled Beauty, Goodness, and Truth. Well, welcome, everybody. This is John. This is Brad. Sean, are you here? Yo, Sean. Hello. No. No, Sean. We have no special guests today. Oh, we'll be our own special guest today. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah, we could take on different personas. (laughs) We can. (laughs) We can. Surely good. Eh? Wow, I've never heard you do that. I know you haven't. How about that? That was my first try ever at a British accent. Yeah, well, that was good, man. (laughs) I'd like to see you try on other accents to see if they all sound the same. (laughs) No. Sean. Hello, Sean. <laughs> yeah, they would. Oh. Dead, dead air. <laughs> well, I enjoyed this weekend. Um, we were talking about beauty, goodness, and truth uh, this weekend. You did a great job, man. Thanks. Um, in the beginning of this message, you talked about routine mm-hmm. and uh, the, the lather, rinse, repeat. Right. It's something that I don't. I don't know about. Yeah, I haven't, no, I haven't no. had hair on my noggin for a few years. Yeah, but you got to wash the stuff under your noggin. That, that's right. No, I'm I'm familiar with it actually. Mm-hmm. But um, it was funny uh, for me. It was fun rather for me to hear you talk about routine being something that can suck the meaning out of life, especially because I know that sometimes routine is a thing that gives some people meaning. Yeah. At the same yeah. time. And I would like venture, having, having, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, having yeah. known you for 30 years, I picture you as someone who values routine, too. So I, I'm wondering if we can unpack that a little bit, the, uh, the ups and the downs of, yeah. of routine. Great question. I think it's, I think it's empty routine that hmm. sucks the life out of us. It's when we're going through the motions, we're doing our thing, but we're not giving it a lot of thought. We're not giving it a lot of energy. We're giving it zero passion. And then it sucks the life out of us, sucks the meaning out of our lives. Hmm. I think routine that is filled with discipline, that is filled with thought, that is filled with thought for others, particularly since others are such a big part of finding meaning in life, I think those kinds of routines can be life-giving and meaning. They can carry meaning into our lives. Do you have an example of a purposeful routine? (laughs) <laughs> well, probably my most purposeful routine is my is my personal engagement with God through His Scriptures and through prayer. Mm-hmm. I, I since high school when I started learning how important the Bible was and how important God's you know willingness to speak to me through it was, uh, I started reading it faithfully, re- religiously, you might say, mm. um, and trying to trying to just listen to what God has to say. When I'm paying attention to that discipline or to that routine and I'm engaged with it thoughtfully, it's beautiful and life-giving. When I just go through the motions, I got to read my chapter today, I got to get it done, then it's empty. Right. And so here's this spiritual thing that can be really great or really detrimental to meaning in life. That's so funny. I had flashbacks to doing my undergraduate work and there was a joke, and, and we spent a ton of time in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were more Bible and theology hours at the college that I went to than most, uh, almost twice as many as uh, some liberal arts Christian colleges mm-hmm. and universities. And But there was a little joke that at the end of our education, four years, 
that we started reading the Bible. Mm. And it was because uh, the routine of, uh, of studying for a grade or memorization or those things, and it didn't happen all the time. I mean, it was it, painting with large brush strokes, but um, it became a thing that you did. Um, as opposed to having like some free time, a mm-hmm. clear mind, mm-hmm. no deadline, um, not worried about your grade, not worried about how verbose you're going to be in your in your paper or interesting, um, but just to soak in the Word of God. Yeah, it was a different approach. Yeah, it's interesting when you read the Bible for a period of time. You you go through it once, you go through it again, maybe, or maybe after a while you've like, well, okay, I've read I've read through it a few times the stories aren't surprising necessarily anymore. Hmm. And I think it's beautiful to stop and re like recalibrate our heart with it and go, who is just, who is this Jesus that I'm reading about? Hmm. Who is this God that I say I love and I do love him, but whom it's easy enough. Like this happens in the, in the story of Malachi, the last book of the old Testament, the people of God are bored in their relationship with God. And and God calls them back and goes, you need to wake up from this. You need to re- you need to reengage me. I want you to reengage me as I really am, not as you've not as you've become uh, maybe accustomed to in your own perspective. You know, I don't. God is never boring, but He gets boring in some people's minds because they've just been doing the routine thoughtlessly or in an empty way. That reminds me of every Christmas. You know, we we tell the Christmas story, yeah. and it's always a conversation with us on staff. Here we go. How are we going to approach this story that is so full of beauty and and goodness and truth, mm-hmm. and and not make it sound mundane, not make it sound like a, a children's story, uh, bring new life to it. Yeah. Um, and we have a series that we're going to start in Matthew in mm-hmm. just a few weeks, and. We were just asking those questions today. How do we approach some of these surprising things that Jesus is doing in the book of Matthew um, and not have those stories be mundane? Right. Well, I think God is so surprising. All the way through Scripture, God surprises people. Hmm. But, again, when you get into some routine, some structure of it, and you stop thinking about him that way, um, that changes for us sometimes. Hmm. So... We talked a little this weekend about the, the verses from Genesis and how God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty. And I think those can be descriptions of us at any point in our journey with God. It, our, our relationship with Him could be formless. It could be empty. It could be formless and empty. Could, it could have form but still be empty. Mm-hmm. And that's where some of my routines of my discipline of, of connecting with God can be um, very formed, have a very strong pattern, but still be empty. Mm-hmm. So all, all of that can get mixed up in there. And I think that's the, the whole concept of beauty, goodness, and truth is designed to like invite us in and, and keep asking the question, who is God in my life today? He's the same as he was yesterday. He's the same as he will be tomorrow. He doesn't change. But I, I tend to slide away from him or I get tired in my routine or something. And sometimes that reflects on my understanding of God, although it shouldn't. I don't think either one of us would call ourselves a Greek or a Hebrew scholar, although you are probably 
way more than I am. Yeah, but not a scholar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did enjoy the Tohu and Bohu <laughs> reference. <laughs> Me too. Um, especially as a, as a songwriter and poet, when you hear things like that, those are rhyming words. Um, it starts to, you start to pick up this playfulness in this story in Genesis, mm. in this poem in Genesis about God creating things um, in a very not boring way. And yeah. Tohu and Bohu is so, it's so sing-songy. Mm-hmm. Um, so every once in a while, those those words pop out. And it's like, wow, God, God is even playful right. and not boring in the words that he's choosing in the story. Yeah, and I think the whole story of creation is such a playful moment for God. Can you imagine how much fun God had mm. when he was creating things? And I think when he says, I think the first time he says about light, he created light, and then he said... It was good. And I, th- I think he chuckled, I'm, I'm, or maybe he laughed hard. Maybe it's a belly laugh from God, I don't know. It's like, oh, that's amazing. I like the light. And I think he did that with everything that he created. It, it was so good. And I think that means he, he sort of bubbled over with it. It's a great, that's a great picture. I think sometimes we're uncomfortable with that, with God laughing, God yeah. being playful. I remember seeing a painting of Jesus a depiction, someone's depiction of Jesus a few years ago, and Jesus was just curled up laughing, just in the, you know, this full-on belly gut laughter. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a young Jesus follower and seeing that, and I was bothered by it. I'm not now. Mm-hmm. If I saw it today, I think the the longer I walk with Jesus, I, you know, we start understanding more about who He is, and mm-hmm. I, there's definitely room for me to see God as playful, mm-hmm. Jesus as a fun loving, uh, energetic, uh, you know, humorous human being. Um, but why, why is it that we have a problem with that sometimes? I don't I'm not making this up, right? I no, mean, you're not making this up. I think, I think we do have a problem with it sometimes. Uh, sometimes I think it's our background, depending on what our background is, what kind of environment we grew up in, if it was a religious or spiritual environment. Like, for example, my... Growing up years, I, I was involved in church. My parents had me in church all the time. Uh, but it was sort of a, it was a church that expressed their love for God in a quiet way. And it's so, it's so much part of my background that I, I think my, my default m- method of approaching God is quiet. But I just don't, I don't think that's the only way God wants to be approached. He, he does like that, you know, be still and know that I am God, the scripture says. Okay, that's, that's one approach God has. But he also says, you know, ring the cymbals and beat the drums and, and play the guitars or the, the harps and lyres or whatever they mm-hmm. had, the instruments. Like, make a, make a joyful noise to the Lord is a true expression of God's heart. And sometimes if you grow up in the kind of background that I have, you end up saying, yeah, but he really doesn't want a joyful noise. He really wants a quiet, little smiley noise. No, <laughs> <laughs> not a big, not a big hearty laughter kind of noise. And I just, right. I think this the song in Genesis one is such an expression of God's bursting out of that, you know, whatever quiet would have been there in the beginning. It's bursting out of that, and it's joyful, and it's it's playful, it's creative. It's mm-hmm. I don't. I don't mean this to be offensive about God, and I don't mean it at all, but it's almost childlike in, in, the, in the bubbly nature of that, mm-hmm. I think. 
Yeah, well, I, I think that would be consistent about what God says about himself all through Scripture. Yeah, I believe it. Um, you know, he loves little children mm-hmm. coming to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who are you know. Little children who are what? Noisy and yeah. messy right. and clamoring. Right. <laughs> yeah, and in Jesus' case, as he's speaking many times, interrupting and... Right. Just like children do with their parents today. I'll sure. be in the lobby talking to a couple of parents, and then the children run up, and they're, like, tugging on mom's clothes or dad's clothes, like, what? mom, 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 you, you know, and it's just interrupting, and Jesus paused and took time with them. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. So the title of the message was Beauty, Goodness, and Truth, and you called attention to uh, the book Rise of the Nuns. Mm-hmm. Um, What's his name? It's escaping me. Uh, James White. Emery White. Yeah. yeah. James Emery White. Um, let's talk about this for a little bit because those things are not easily defined. Yes. I think. Um, especially when you look at things like maybe beauty. Goodness seems easier to define, I think, for most of us. We, we kind of know, yeah, that's bad. You, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's pretty good. Everybody, that's generally accepted that that's good. Beauty seems a bit more subjective. Sure. We have phrases for it. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. Mm -hmm. It's subjective. Mm -hmm. Although White, in his book, The Rise of the Nuns, describes a kind of beauty that is more objective. It's like... Talk about that. Well, the things that God created, they, they are beautiful by nature. And like... You know, trees that are, they're beautiful by nature. Um, babies are beautiful by nature. And even though, Some babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even babies, even though babies make messes, they're beautiful by nature because God says they are. Hmm. Because God puts his imprint in them. He, he builds his image into them. They're beautiful by the nature that he created them. Hmm. And everything in the universe is beautiful by the fact, that, by virtue of the fact that God created it. Now, we still respond to it. You know, sure. My response to beauty may be different than your response to beauty. But, but God ultimately, has, has a, there's an objective thing that is beautiful in his eyes. Mm, yeah. I think that sometimes um, it's frightening for us, especially the longer we've been around the church world or if we've been in it for a long time as a child. I think it's, it's frightening for us to define beauty sometimes. We think we're going to define it. Um, incorrectly mm-hmm. um, if it uh, isn't glaringly obvious that it it is beautiful by yeah. God's standards. So yeah. um, our movies, our books, our art, our music, um, there's, there's actually a, a phrase that's used in the Christian music industry. I have uh, some friends in that industry that uh, talk about JPMs, uh, Jesus per minutes. Mm. That uh, once upon a time, uh, for a song to even make it onto Christian radio, or to be called beautiful enough to be mm-hmm. on the radio, it had to mention Jesus, or at least God. Yeah. Um, often. Yeah. So, what do you think about things that um, don't mention God, or? It, it, Uh, you know, where it's not as obvious that we can label this as beautiful. Yeah, I think there's all kinds of places where in the world at large, there there is is beauty 
that reflects God, even though God is not mentioned. I mean, the book of Esther, we just did, we did a talk on the book of Esther recently, one day talk on that book, but it, that book doesn't mention God at all. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. <laughs> doesn't mean the other ones aren't as good because God, God loves them all, <laughs> those stories. But Esther doesn't come with the name of God at all. Right. No JPMs. And it's a beautiful story of God's sovereign sovereignty working itself out in the nation of Israel. Yeah. I think we did a thing we did a thing this weekend with a video. We 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 put a video piece together along with the song um The Boy in the Bubble. The Boy in the Bubble. Yeah. Which was an amazing song and I was amazed it was written in the eighties as you described, but I was amazed at how relevant it was in two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. And then to have this backdrop of some things which were not beautiful. And yet, here's this, in that, and in, in that case, we're trying to portray this, the search for meaning, and in all the disasters that happen, and all the hard spots in the world, there's this search for meaning, and of course, in the midst of all that, God is working to bring redemption in, into this world. And redemption, every time God is actively engaged toward redemption, which is all the time, there's beauty in the midst of that. There's goodness in the midst of that. There's truth in the midst of that. That's a good word. I think even dissonance, I know you in the music world, there's, there's a concept of dissonance where the, the chord or the tones don't resolve themselves quickly enough or something. There's a, there's a dissonant sound to it. Yeah, almost a fighting. A fighting, yeah. And I think that happens in our world. And I, one of the things we get to do in church, and I, this is a fun part, it's not what we often think of in church, but there's, a, there's an aspect of presenting the dissonance of life and the fighting sounds or the fighting images or the fighting thoughts and then helping people come to a place where we see the redemption in those fighting sounds or thoughts. We help people understand that God is taking the dissonance of our life, what redemption is, what Jesus is doing. He's taking the dissonance of our life and he's working to, in a sense, resolve that chord. Hmm. And not again, there's sometimes the dissonance in itself can be beautiful and not that God's resolving every hardship that we have, but he's redeeming these conflicts that we have, the, the fighting sounds that we have. Hmm. It's redemptive. There's, uh, you, you were in Second Timothy 3, yeah. and there's a passage that lists, um, I think those first few verses list quite a few things that are going wrong in people's hearts mm-hmm. in the, the end days or mm-hmm. the end times. And there's a line at the end of that passage that says, they have a form of godliness, mm-hmm. but deny the power thereof. And it wasn't the point of this week's message necessarily to, to camp on that, but, but that, is an, that is an interesting phrase. How to, in our search for meaning, how do we not miss the power of God? Or, on the other side, what do we do that, that denies the power, but, but we have this, this form of godliness? It's always been an interesting little passage to me. Me too. I... I... I struggle with that whole passage because it's all these things that are going to be true of characters of people in the last days. And, and I look at them like, oh, I know who that is. I know who that is. I, I've got you know, public figures or whoever who I think that's them. But then he gets to that last phrase where he says, they 
have a form of godliness, but they not deny its power. I go, oh, that might be me. Yeah. That's me when I have, like, going back to my background, I have this quiet, reserved background that I, that I have. I think there's a beautiful place for that in our relationship with God. But that, that, if that's the only engagement I have with God, it might be one of those places where we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power because we don't want it to break out anywhere. Hmm. And I want to see God's power break out. I was just with... Uh, one of our mission partners, Mary Beth Sexton, who works in Malawi, who's going to be here this weekend, this coming oh, weekend yeah. in our, we're going to do a panel discussion and do some question and answers again, and she's going to be with us. But she good. was with me last week, and we were talking about faith and how faith works in her life and how it works in my life. And she started telling me, telling me some things about God and and how to have faith in him. And she inspired me. She broke me out again because I'm, I realized in the course of that conversation, I was starting to constrain God and like, well, he can't do this and he can't do that, which I would never admit to, that that's how I feel. But in my way of life, that becomes how I feel. And she was breaking me out of that and saying, no, God can do this and God can do that. And she was going to the place of saying, God will do this. It's in his word. It's like he, he, mm. he wants to do this. When we talk about the well-crafted life, uh, one of the things that we talk about is connection. Mm-hmm. And that story right there reminds me of how important it mm-hmm. is for us to sit down and get the perspective of people who are um, who have a different routine, <laughs> going yeah. back to routine, yeah. uh, who live in a different place, who have different stories, and, and to ask them questions. It makes me think, um, as a musician, I could write songs on guitar all day. I feel comfortable with that. Um, when I sit at a different instrument that I don't play all the time, mm. when I sit at a piano, mm-hmm. something different comes out. Mm. When I pick up the ukulele, I, I write a song that I would <laughs> never write had I not picked up the ukulele. You should write more songs for ukulele. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you can play it. You yeah. can sit out in your porch. And I play could. It. I could. That'd be fun. You're, not many people know this about you, but you know how to play instruments. I do. I even dropped your guitar the other day. (laughs) That's a different story. Uh, But yeah, listening to somebody, you you get a different song, right? Yeah. I mean, Maribeth brought a new song into your life, a new faith song. And it was so fantastic. It was so life-giving to me. So I I think you're right, man, connection and how how that builds into beauty, goodness, and truth, how it builds beauty, goodness, and truth into our lives is priceless. It's irreplaceable. We can't... We can't separate ourselves from one another and expect that our journey with Christ is going to continue to bear fruit in, in all these beautiful ways. Hmm. Uh, I was talking to somebody at the end of one of the gatherings this week, and they said that they've enjoyed the series. Uh, but then they had an interesting question. They said, but, but where, where do I start? Hmm. This, all, this all is good. I'm learning from it. And I just don't know where to start. It's like they, Mm. uh, for some reason, they had all of these great ideas coming at them, but they were inert ideas to them that they didn't know how to categorize. Um, I suggested for this one friend uh, to take the shape class. Mm -hmm. I think that was part of what she was getting at, uh, trying to understand who she is as a person, how God has crafted her. Um, but I thought, I thought that was a very interesting and helpful question for us yeah. in this series. Uh, for somebody who is listening today or who has been participating in this, 
What are some good starting points from your perspective for finding meaning? Yeah, great question. Hard to answer outside the context of a specific person because I believe God has all of us at a... He meets us where we are in our path in life. Mm -hmm. So the question really is best answered in a one-on-one or one in a small group so you can hear where people are coming from. But I think our our crafts mm-hmm. of the well-crafted life is a great are, are a great place to start. So sure. so scripture, start with scripture. Have you ever read the Bible before? Have you read anything in the Bible before? Have you ever read the story of Jesus' life in one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? That's a great place to start. Or prayer is another one of our crafts. And you go, well, I've never prayed. I don't know how to start. Well, it's, it's talking to God. So just start talking to him mm-hmm. and just tell him, I don't know where to start. And that, that'd be a good starting place for prayer, you know? It's helpful. Yeah. And there's generosity is a place to begin. Uh, connection, like you described, that's a place to begin uh, with this. And serving is another opportunity to begin and, and get started. That's good. Well, good. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been a good conversation. Thanks for tuning in to these post-message podcasts. And we look forward to this week. What's the message title of this week? Do you remember? I don't remember the message title. It's going to be good. It's going to be fantastic. I know it's going to be about. I know it's going to be about Jesus and how He engages us. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, you guys. Hey, thanks for listening today. We hope you had a good time. We hope you find it helpful. You can listen to the entire message from the weekend and watch it on video if you'd like by going to LakesideChurch.com, clicking on menu, and then media. Tune in next week. Peace.